You're listening to God in Comics, the audio equivalent of a splash panel to fill space. May the Force be with you. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Star Wars and the comics that go with it. Whatever we might think on any other day, for today at least, our favorite gospel is Luke. We'll discuss the ins and outs of Star Wars, plus this or that, our recommendation, and a whole lot more. I am your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am the chaplain at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me today is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I am the rector of Church of the Messiah Episcopal Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Also on the line is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I am the rector of St. George's Episcopal Church in Schenectady, New York. So we're going to go into the recommendation. Uh, and uh, the recommendation I have uh, this time out, you know, I haven't actually, I haven't been reading as, as many comics uh, lately. Um, so I'm going to reach back for this one, although this is a series that I just started reading in the last year, uh, even though it's um, been out for a long while now and is actually done. But my recommendation is a, a book that many people I'm sure are aware of already, um, but it's a book called Fables. You guys know Fables? Oh, yeah. I've heard of it, yeah. So this is a Vertigo book. Uh, by Bill Willingham, um, and uh, he's had a looks like he's had a number of different um, artists in on it. But the basic idea behind this book is that f the fairy tale characters who all existed in their own fairy tale land were driven out by this tyrant, and they were forced to flee from their ancestral homelands, and so they all end up in New York. You know, like you do. Um, and they're forced to, like, make a new life for themselves there. And basically what, what happens is that those who can pass as human, meaning those who already looked like human beings or if they didn't look like human beings through some sort of magic have the capacity to pass, to make themselves sort of look like human beings, they get to live there in a part of the city that uh, I think is called Fable Town, where uh, they're able to kind of have freedom and enjoy a, a semi-normal life. The ones who cannot pass are, conf are confined to a place upstate called The Farm. And they, they have a whole bunch of space up there, uh, but they, they can't leave it. And so this is mostly, this is like talking animals. Uh, is the majority of the ones who are on the farm. But I, so I've only read, I've read the first two volumes at this point, the, the second of which deals a lot more with the farm. But what I really enjoy about it is, you know, I love a good mystery. Uh, and so far, this has largely been kind of a thriller mystery series, much more than I thought it would be. I mean, it's it's Vertigo, so you kind of expected a little bit of maybe shock horror kind of content to it. it, it I guess it maybe has some of that, but but it's you know a lot of it is really just just straight up dark kind of mystery stories. The the mayor of of Fable Town is is uh, old King Cole, uh, but he's basically a figurehead. 
the real person who's running the show is a deputy mayor, Snow White. Uh, and she is, I don't know, she's a pistol, <laughs> basically. She's very, you know, she has a, a, a lot of uh, attitude, but also a lot of just, you know, uh, the competence that uh, old King Cole seems to lack. The first volume uh, deals with a, a, a seeming murder that is investigated by none other than the big bad wolf, who is one of these characters who has managed to, through some sort of magical means, be able to pass himself off looking like a human being in this realm. And so he's this sort of like gritty detective character who's turning over all the all the rocks and, and chasing down all the clues and there's this kind of flirtation between him and Snow White that's sort of interesting uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just you know it, it it's um, I don't know exactly what it is that I that I like so much about it other than that it just seems to hit my particular catnips with that kind of thing um, but it's good storytelling um, it's it's an interesting take on uh, old characters that you know many people will be familiar with. Um, there was a t it's unrelated to these books, um, but there was a TV show a few years ago where they had a similar sort of concept where Fable. Oh yeah, my wife yeah. watched. Yeah, I, said, I, I can't um, think of the once name. Once upon of it. a time. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah. I remember. I watched because that sounded like a fun concept then too, and I watched like six episodes of it or something and was like this is really bad this is like poorly written and yeah. that kind of stuff um it was so silly i didn't really care yeah. for it that, which is why my wife my wife watched the whole thing without me basically yeah well so like fables is what i wish that show had been basically yeah and fables yeah. came first so the show is kind of a ripoff of a story that, mm. you know um but it's one of these things, too, you can just dive into, right? Like, there's, like, 20-some volumes of it. There's a couple of spin-off series that have come off of it. And uh, so I'm really, I'm looking, and now that I know, that, especially now that I know that it's done, I'm looking forward to kind of just, you know, slowly moving through it um, and, uh, and taking my time with it. So, um, so if you happen to miss out on this when it was first out, Now's the time, man. Get yourself a copy of Fables. Dive on in. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot about this book. It's very critically acclaimed, mm -hmm. and I've been I've been kind of intending to read it at some point. But as you say, it's 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 there's a lot of volumes. It's a commitment. Um, but yeah. but some yeah. some people love a big meal ahead of them. Well, and the stories <laughs> are series. I mean, it, it is self I mean yes, you're right. It, it's a lot of volumes, but like just, having just read the first two volumes, each of those has a self-contained story. So it's not like you you know, you get to the end and you're like, "Oh, you know, like it's it's um it's it, it, it's satisfying even if, you know, even if it takes me another 6 months or a year before I grab the third volume, it's still satisfying." Mm -hmm. So. That's cool. Well, uh, yeah, I guess read it now before the inevitable Netflix adaptation. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, it's got to. They're doing all the indie books now, you know. Uh, and Fables yeah. has definitely got to be in development. What is, I saw, um, speaking of that, so two series that I've noticed recently, one that I've yeah. started to watch and one that I haven't. The one that, that I haven't is Jupiter City. 
Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's yeah. Legacy. Yeah. Is so that I, 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 I didn't start watching it yet, but I, I started reading the comic. Okay. Um, and I'm loving it. It's really good. So I'm looking forward to watching the, the show. Who wrote that? Um, Mark Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Mark Miller. That's right. The series looks like it's. I haven't gotten to the later volumes yet, and the series looks like it's based more on the later volumes. Um, but the the early ones are it are kind of set in like the fifties and sixties, and it's kind of uh mm. kind of reminds you a little bit of uh, the early chapters of Watchmen with the Minutemen, kind of the old superheroes and their like Hollywood celebrities or something like that. Um, but it's really well done. Mark Miller's a great writer. That's true. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so like I want to watch that. That's in my queue. And then on Prime, I started watching um, Invincible. Invincible. Oh yes. my gosh, it was so good. I thought the show. I didn't see it yet. Yes, I've seen. Oh, so I I've seen it. like maybe three or four episodes of it. I, I and I'm a little confused. So that so that's from a comic too, right? Yeah, but image it's, comic. It's not because it's so. It, in some ways, it's really similar to um, that Mark Wade book from Irredeemable. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was. I remember you telling me about the Mark Wade book, and I got them kind of confused. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it seems like a similar concept. Well, I haven't. So, I mean, I haven't read Invincible, but I've now I've watched like four episodes, maybe. Um, and it's interesting. I'll probably keep watching it. Man, is it violent, though. I did not realize going in how unbelievably violent it, <laughs> wow. it, it, it's, it's animated, so it's right. like, you know, and it's made in that very kind of juvenile style, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like it could be like the Justice League cartoon that, like, you know, I watch with my kids, except all of a sudden... All it becomes just exactly. like gory. Exactly. Really gory. Be prepared, friends, especially if you're watching that first episode, because I just threw it on. I wanted something in the background while I was doing some grading. So I just threw it on and was like half paying attention. And, and it was sort of sweet through like most of the first episode. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's really not. So great, so. great shows. It's, it's a great time to be a comic book fan, isn't it? With all the movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, uh, it's uh, you know may very well be a great time to be a Star Wars fan uh, as well. Yes. So you know, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars. And to do that, I'm going to uh, pass things over to Father Kyle, who I guess we've decided to deem our, our resident Star Wars nerd. Is that is that fair? I I guess that's fair. I mean, I, I love Star Wars. I don't know that I would call myself like a uber Star Wars fan or anything. There's mm -hmm. parts of Star Wars that I have yet to see, um, namely The Mandalorian. And um, Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I yeah. still haven't watched The Mandalorian yet. I haven't seen um, that stuff but, either because I do not have Disney+. Plus. Sad, uh, sad face. That is here. sad. There's a lot of good things on Disney Plus. I'm thinking. I'm hoping. Keep your keep your fingers crossed and your prayers going, because um, we're we're uh, hopefully by the time this this episode comes out, we'll have settled on selling our house in Pennsylvania. So ah, I've good. decided that that's going to be like the reward that 
for, for that for us is we'll get Disney Plus for a little oh, while. Good. That'll okay. be good. That'll be good. Yeah. Well, I'll talk a little bit about um, Star Wars comics and, and kind of a little bit about the movies, too. Uh, you know, we swim in Star Wars in our culture today, so it's kind of hard to remember a time when Star Wars wasn't around. Right now, I think we're up to 11 movies. And, of course, there's been the um, the Mandalorian show that I just mentioned, and uh, there's a new um, Star Wars show starting on Disney Plus right now title which is escaping me at the moment um and of course we have tons of star wars books and we have video games and we just have star wars everywhere right mm -hmm. well once upon a time back in 1977 uh george lucas put forward this film through 20th century fox it was called star wars when the opening credits started it did not have what we've all uh, seen in the versions of Star Wars that we've watched recently that would say episode four, A New Hope. That wasn't anywhere on the screen. Instead, it was just the scroll sort of setting the story. And we got to know these characters of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia and Darth Vader and Chewbacca and, you know, all the rest through this one movie. Um, at time, uh, the, mo the movie was pitched to Marvel Comics as um, a company that would possibly do an adaptation of the movie. Stan Lee actually wanted nothing to do with it and uh, tried very hard to uh, get Marvel to turn away from it. But in fact, I think it was Roy Thomas who um, yeah. finally convinced him to go ahead and uh, allow Marvel to take it on. So Marvel got the publishing rights for the adaptation which in fact actually helped Marvel uh, financially in 1977 and 1978 when they were tanking a little bit because it became such a success and nobody really expected the movie to be the success that it was. So, um, so it helped them out there. But consequently, what happened is uh, Marvel picked up the um, Star Wars series and turned it into a regular comic book series that lasted from 1977 to 1987. They did about 107 issues oh. and three annuals. And then um, contained within that 107 issue run were the first six issues were the adaptation of the Star Wars film. A later section was the adaptation of Empire Strikes Back. Um, when it came to Return of the Jedi, they did that as a separate adaptation. They didn't, they didn't have that in the actual series itself. Um, they also added two titles in the 1980s. They did a droid series because they also did a droids cartoon on Saturday morning. I remember that. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and uh, they did the Ewoks because that was the other thing that I came out around. I remember that too. Time. Those movies... I loved the Ewoks as a kid, and it, it's like it's been like written out of history. I guess you can't find it anywhere. They're yeah, on, yeah. They're, aren't they on Disney Plus? Somebody told me they'd found the Ewok. Ewoks. I looked yeah. for Ewoks on there, unless it was added recently. Or maybe they're coming or something. It's possible. Yeah. They've been putting things up little by little. I don't so remember. I mean, I remember watching them when I was a kid, but I couldn't tell you. I know. I remember there was like a kid in it, but that's all I can remember yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I the e I, we, my brother and I had the Ewoks village and like the <laughs> Return of the Jedi, like sleeping bags and stuff. And 
somewhere there's a picture of us with a sleeping bag spread out on the floor and all our like Star Wars men and everything. So cool. <laughs> so basically, what happened after 1987 is that uh, that Marvel uh, gave up the publishing rights. It kind of lost steam. You know, that was four years after Return of the Jedi had ended, and there uh, didn't seem to be any real prospect for future films at that point. Um, so in 1991, Dark Horse Comics picked up the Star Wars franchise and got the publishing rights. They started publishing, and actually they published Star Wars comics from 1991 to 2014. So they had a pretty long run of publishing Star wow. Wars books. Okay. Um, they did over 100 titles, uh, different Star Wars titles during that time. 100 um, titles? Wow. 100 titles. They did, uh, most of them were short little mini series that they did. Mm -hmm. So uh, they had a few that were extended series that kind of ran for a significant piece of time, but a lot of them were fairly short. Um, the big ones they did, they did a, a Dark Empire, which was a story that talked a little bit about a possible future in which Luke Skywalker effectively became the new Darth Vader. He turned to the dark mm. side and became a new wow. Darth Vader. Um, it's a good story. It's a great story, actually. You can find uh, audio books of it as well as the comic books. And I think there's even like a, a novel version of it. Um, they did a bunch of things like Tales of the Jedi. They did X-Wing Rogue Squadron. They did a series called Republic, Empire, Knights of the Old Republic, Legacy. Um, there's a couple really important Star Wars novels that were converted into comic books under Dark Horse. One was called the Thrawn Trilogy, um, and the other was called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was actually the first Star Wars uh, novel ever published during the time of the original uh, trilogy. And, um, and then, of course, Dark Horse sort of rounded things off by doing adaptations of the prequels when they came out. You know, they did Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, at that point in time, in 2014, what happened was Disney ended up making a deal to purchase Marvel in 2009, and they purchased Lucasfilm in 2012. So that meant that, um, that Marvel was able to get Star Wars back. So we had Marvel to begin, we had Dark Horse in the middle, and then we had Marvel on the return. The... Uh, the big thing, uh, Matt, you kind of alluded to it a moment ago. The big thing that happened, though, at that shift is that uh, Star Wars and Lucas, the, the folks involved with the Star Wars franchise connected to Disney, decided that they were going to wipe out all the prior canon. So nothing was true anymore except what they were going to build in going forward. And this happened when the movie The Force Awakens came out. So even all the novels, not to mention the comic books, but all the novels that had been written about Star Wars were all now non-canonical until the point that somebody decided to say, well, yes, this one will come back into the canon or that one will come back into the canon. So we're kind of still in that phase right now. But Marvel decided that as a way of building up the story of Star Wars, they were going to create comics that were going to fill in the gaps between the different Star Wars movies. So mm -hmm. the, uh, the original runs um, that Marvel did in, I think it was 2015, were like Star Wars and Darth Vader 
they did a number of miniseries about Princess Leia and Chewbacca, Han Solo. Um, they did an Obi-Wan and Anakin one, which was thrown back into the prequel realm. They did a Lando Calrissian title, which was really good. Um, mm. They did one on Poe Dameron to tie into the the second trilogy, you know, that began with The Force Awakens. And then they added some characters like um, Dr. Afra, which is actually a really fun series. Yeah. She's like in uh, Space Indiana Jones. That's who um, she's a little bit of an homage to. She's a Space Indiana Jones who has um, two droids of her own. One is called Triple Zero. That's a female version of C-3PO, except it's a murderous version of C-3PO who revels in torture. And yeah. and okay, uh, totally Triple Zero. I did not get that that was female. Yes, that, it is. That it's, did not come through. It doesn't come through. They make a reference to it at one point in the series, but it and it caught me by surprise because I had been reading it for quite a while and I read it in a male voice. I kind of read it like C three PO's voice, yeah. and then I discovered it was a female. But now I got to switch to Joan Rivers' voice from Spaceballs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And the other the other droid was uh, BT. That's the. Um, that's like uh, R2-D2, a murderous version of R2-D2. But so what they've done is they've decided now they're going, they feel that was that first series was sort of filling in the gap between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. They've now done another Star Wars title that's filling in the gap between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And, uh, and so they're looking to kind of connect and flesh out all these films which is really cool. Um, they're also doing some stuff now backwards. There's a new series called The High Republic that's set 200 years before the Luke Skywalker or Anakin Skywalker saga. And, um, and IDW, last thing I'll say is that IDW also um, now has publishing rights to Star Wars stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure all the ins and outs of that. IDW also has connections to Marvel now. Um, they've been publishing some Marvel stuff, um, but IDW is doing a series called Star Wars Adventures, which are really stories that are geared towards a younger audience. So, um, you know, they're done in a little bit more of a cartoonish style, whereas, yeah, as you guys probably could tell, you know, the Star Wars comics are trying to be as realistic to the movies as they possibly could be. But that's a little bit of the history of Star Wars comics. It's it's muddy if you're just trying to jump into it to know where to start to know what to read um things get really confusing because you've got the original marvel stuff got the dark horse stuff and then you've got the stuff that's uh, considered canonical now if you want to read the older things like the original marvel run um, or the newspaper strip run that they did in america here from 1979 to 84 or you want to read the Dark Horse stuff. Marvel's republishing all of that now in the Epic Collection series. So you can find uh, collected versions of all of that stuff. And it'll kind of explain where that's supposed to be set on the back cover. So those are some helpful things if you're interested it, in it. There are also, I, I've been exploring them a, a little bit um, on, on Marvel Unlimited. They have a huge collection of Star Wars books on marvel unlimited and it's it's a little hard to even know where to start or, or you know um there's so many of them there was one 
recently that was Brian, something Brian Wood. But there's that one's a recent Star Wars series. Then there's the Jason Aaron one. Yeah. Which um, which I started reading, I thought was just a, a heck of a good time. Mm-hmm. It was, it's a lot of fun, and and you know it's kind of fast paced reading, and you know, it's sort of sort of thrilling because you could take these original characters from the, the 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 original trilogy, and all of a sudden you have a Harrison Ford, and he's like in his prime, you know, yeah, and he's on Solo, and he's like you know, and, um, and they they they're able to sort of uh, breathe life back into these older characters which is a lot of fun but then also you know kind of update the style a bit and, and things like that and introduce new characters so I, I i enjoyed that the the um and and there's it's it's ongoing so like i i've read maybe like 15 issues of that but it's it's still being published today if i'm not mistaken or, or, yeah. or yeah yeah and then, and then i've read the lando miniseries um with art by alex malieve who i think is fantastic i really enjoy his artwork so i I definitely wanted to read that one and i love that Uh, the 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 writer on that is is charles uh how do you say his last name soul soul Soul, yeah with an e at the end yeah yeah he's um uh, yeah he's done a lot now he he used to do she hulk yeah yeah his she hulk is great Yes, I I enjoyed his She-Hulk. He um, also picks up Darth Vader. In yes, the- and I and I started reading Darth Vader too that you that you talked about. I mm. um, I'm about you know ten issues into that, and so it's the Doctor Afro character. She's just invented for the comics. Yeah, because I noticed she canon, has the right? title of her own now, right? Yeah. She does have a title of her own. What were you saying, Father oh, John? But, but she's canon, right? Because this is that post, yeah. uh, whatever, two thousand something. That's yeah. so funny how that works. Because, like, you know, in 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 Trek, which is my only sort of analog to this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. nothing that's not the movies or the TV shows is ever canon. So okay. you just kind of just go, ah, you know. Um, but uh, it's funny the idea that there's stuff that could be canon and then somebody decides along the line that it's not and now this stuff here is canon and it's like well who decided that mr star wars like (laughs) who's in charge of the canon well you know it's funny because george lucas controlled the canon um before this so anything Mm -hmm. that anyone wrote whether it was comic books or novels or however it was intended to tie in lucas had the final say on what what was acceptable and not acceptable because he had a vision going forward. So allegedly, um, not only did he do the the prequels, as we well know, right, after he did the original trilogy, but he had also conceived of the final trilogy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then when he um, gave over, sold over the company to, um, to Disney, uh, ultimately, then he sort of stepped back and became a hands off. I think he's probably still got some voice in it. But um, so the whole new trilogy is not what he conceived beforehand. 
which is part of the reason why they made that shift with regard to Cannon, is because what he was allowing, what may have impacted the future, they didn't necessarily want because they wanted to take it in a different direction. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. So now it's kind of the powers that be at Lucasfilm and Disney that have that say-so with Cannon. So it's not J.J. Abrams just sitting in a room somewhere? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think... Um, Although he had a, obviously he did two of those three films, but yeah, I don't think it's him. Oh, did he not do the third one? He didn't do the middle one. He didn't do he, the middle uh, one. I've, he, I've only, of those three movies, the only one I'm sure I saw is the first one. Mm -hmm. um, I, I might have seen the second one. I know I for sure that I didn't, I have not seen the third one. So they just don't, you know, the thing for me with Star Wars is like, I, I, I liked Star Wars as a kid, you know, I watched a lot of like, I watched that droids cartoon and the Ewok movies and stuff. And I remember the original movies, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was too young when they came out. Um, but, but I remember watching them like on video when I was a kid and liking them then. And then when I was in high school, they, um, they re-released them into theaters. Yeah. And so that's yeah. that was actually yeah. my first experience of seeing them in the theater, all of which was sort of like, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, was sort of laying the groundwork for releasing the prequels. Yes. And then I watched the prequels, which, eh, you know, there's this, <laughs> they, yeah. they're sort of, yeah. uh, they have their moments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but like, I, for me, like, Star Wars has just, it just never and i'm not i'm not trying to fault it for it i'm just like this is my personal reaction to it it just never sticks with me it's like i'm when i'm watching it i'm like yeah this is pretty cool and then like 5 minutes after i've watched it i cannot tell you what happened in it mm. <laughs> and i don't i don't know why that is maybe you're just you're you fulfill the stereotype of the classic Star Trek versus Star Wars person. But it's <laughs> not, just, you know, I'm not like anti-Star Wars. It. I don't right, hate right. it. I actually do like it when I sit down to watch it. And, you know, like I was just, because Gina, my wife, is a big Star Wars fan. And okay. she doesn't mm. care about Trek very much at all, though she'll watch it with me because it's impossible not to because I have it on all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but she loves Star Wars and... Um, and, and it finds it really moving in, in various ways. And I, I just, I don't know, but you know, like, so I was saying to her today, I was like, oh, we should rewatch the original trilogy again. Like, I, you know, I've seen it probably three times in my life already, but I'd love to go through and watch those three movies again. Um, I think there's some great performances in them. There are things that I like about it. There are things that are a little like over the top, like the whole concept of the empire to me is a little over the top uh, in the sense that like the, the, the villains get a little cartoonish at times, but like, I, but you could say that about anything. I mean, you could certainly say that about Trek. You could say that about most comics. So, um, sure. and, 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 you know, and there are places where they, where they've, corrected for that over time right like where they've given that more depth and stuff and certainly like vader for instance as a character is a very complex interesting kind of character um yeah. but um so i'm so i guess i'm curious to know like what star wars means to you guys 
um, because I feel like there's a piece of it that, that I'm missing that maybe if I like hear the right spin on it, then the next time I go through it, it'll be like, ah, this is the time. I did enjoy reading the books that, that you recommended, Father Kyle, the, the, which was the Star Wars, the one that, that was like After A New Hope. Yeah, that was the volume the one. That. one. Yeah. yeah, and then the, the first of those Darth Vader volumes. And I like Dr. Afra a lot. I want to read more of mm -hmm. her story. I liked, so I liked both of those. And um, Father Matt was mentioning you can get that stuff on Marvel Unlimited. Um, but if you have Prime, you can borrow those books from Prime on your oh, Kindle cool. for free. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have to pay any money for it. Um, right. Oh, cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like, what does Star Wars mean to me? I mean, like, I adored the 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 original trilogy, you know, um, when I was a kid, and I don't know how many times I watched it. But um, and then, uh, you know, like same thing. When I was in high school, I went to see the re-release in the theater and stuff like that. So I've always, I, I and, and and I always and I had all the toys. I think for me. Like all the characters, like um, they made a toy out of every character in those films, even the minor ones, the ones that appeared in the background in like the bars and stuff like that. Um, and um, those characters became kind of like, you know, and those figures became kind of like you know, archetypal figures to me, you know, like uh, all the crazy looking aliens and stuff like that really captivated my imagination as a kid. And I developed sort of like these personal attachments to these characters, some of which are very minor characters in, in, in the movie, just because, you know, I, I had those toys. Um, and, you know, uh, um, and, and we would make our own stories with the characters, you know. I remember we, we left Lando in the, um, in the chandelier when we, and he was like hiding up there during a battle or whatever. And we were at the table at dinner and all of a sudden there was like smoke coming out of the chandelier. And uh, it was the Lando toy and he was still hiding up there and the light bulb got turned on and it melted his foot oh no so i still have the lando toy with the melted foot oh, you, he, you burned billy d you burned billy d <laughs> <laughs> so that's my main association with lando is that you know he his foot got completely destroyed in that epic <laughs> battle that we had when we were kids um so i really enjoyed revisiting lando in that miniseries which i thought was just spectacular um but like so you know i i think it just with several generations now it just sort of captivated my imagination i waited with great anticipation for those prequels and i had like impossibly high hopes and i i think that's kind of the problem that like for people who grew up watching star wars it's like nothing is ever going to satisfy the incredibly titanic expectations that they have for you know what what these series are going to be and, and they, were they were they any good i mean the prequels like you said they have their moments it's just i I've, i went to see them in the movies and i never felt like the need to revisit them at all 
again unlike the original series which i've 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 watched over and over again i've revisited every several years but but then there are people who watch the original star wars the you know, a new hope when that came out like and they went to see it in the movies over and over again and then they're like oh that Return of the Jedi business was stupid, you know, the Ewoks, they ruined it. But for me, that that, that was always my favorite, you know, movie because it, it must have come out like, you know, when I was born and I had all the merchandise, you know, yeah. from, from from like the, the, the cradle on up. So, you know, maybe for younger viewers, they really connect with the um, the prequels because they, cause they grew up with those characters and the toys and the and the cartoons and maybe even some of the comic books that they released for me these recent films i i enjoyed them a lot when i went to see them in the movie but like like you said jonathan then i kind of was like that was cool what was it about again (laughs) yeah no i'm i'm with you they they haven't really stuck with me um i enjoyed the like they released like the Rogue One, and then um, there Han was Han Solo. Han Solo, and what was and what was the third one? That did didn't they release the third kind of oh. independent one? No. No, maybe <laughs> well, they have. You know, they they all kind of blur together to me, and like the kid, like the characters, like Kylo Ren. You know, he's cool. Like he looks cool, mm-hmm. and you know, I love the fact that they have a strong female character, Ray. You know, in the show, and um, but I, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell you what those movies were about, or even like I, I'd need to sit down and think about even what the titles are. Like I know that Luke Skywalker came back, and that was exciting, but um, the the Mandalorian. For my for my part, is my favorite Star Wars thing outside of the original trilogy. I know a lot of people said that. I'm really looking forward to watching that. Yeah, you, really you're gonna love. It. I really too. loved it. I want to watch that too. Maybe Kyle yeah. and I should do our own like uh, separate like mini series podcast where we watch that show and <laughs> comment on. Hey, that, comment that would be fun. <laughs> well, but 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 the comics, you know. I enjoyed these comic books a lot, and I'm I'm thinking like you know this would be some. I want to see a Doctor Aphra movie. I do too. You know, now. I, I want to see too. her and Darth Vader. You know, they have such weird. They're like kind of like yeah. You know, opposite. yeah. It's the strangest it, it's relationship, isn't it? The strangest relationship. It's like they have this kind of chemistry. It's not romantic, really. It's it's almost more like like surrogate daughter ass yeah. in some ways but then it's also evil uh-huh. <laughs> it is no that's well said which is also that, kind of weird like it's, it's twisted like, it's there's sweet, something but it's evil <laughs> yeah yeah well and, and it adds that extra dimension to the empire in some respects you know because here's mm-hmm. Darth Vader is a complicated character, and and mm-hmm. and Soul Charles Soul really brings out his yeah, mm-hmm. you know his his kind of like he's likable yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and I I like the complication of Vader, and I think Vader is a is an interesting character, um, 
much more so in some ways than Anakin Skywalker. Uh, that uh, well, yeah, no, you know, they missed the boat. They did, yeah. but but you know, but but I think of those three prequels, at least what I can remember of them, I remember thinking the third one was probably the best of them because it was yeah, you know, yeah, they got um, better as they went. Yeah, but yeah. like, he's an interesting character, but I don't, I don't get the Emperor at all. Like, I just don't. I don't get. I mean, what's his motivation other than just he's evil? They they start driving more at that in the new trilogy, and then there's stuff that's being fleshed out right now um, in Mar in the Star Wars titles that Marvel's doing that that gets a little bit more at who the Emperor is and um, what his motivations are. Of course, that stuff all started in the prequel trilogy, right? That we got to begin right, to see right. who his character was but his origins go back a lot further than um than that prequel apparently he's been around for a long 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 time um he's yes. capable of body hopping is the thing that they've you know recently um revealed about him interesting which explains how he could live between return of the jedi yeah. that death at the end and how he actually is alive in this new um, new trilogy that came out. So, are there are there any comics with the Emperor? Because I feel like that backstory, like you know, the prequel. How did he become, you know, the satanic Lord of the Galaxy that he is in the in the films like that? I mean, that seems like a story that's dying to be told, and and a character that you know needs to be fleshed out more. I, that seems like great fodder for the comics. Is there, are there any? I'd be interested in checking them out. That is a good question that I don't have an answer to at the moment. But I think if you look up, um, look, I know you can easily do a search on Star Wars comics and they'll yeah. give you a rundown of everything that's been published by Marvel since 2015. And there very well could be because they did a whole series of one shots um, in the last you know, three or four years that are devoted to specific characters. So it's possible that they have done one in that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, my thought also was like all of these, like the Jason Aaron book kind of takes place between films and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, how do they keep that up? You can't really do anything to change these characters here. You know, they have to kind of, you only have to have the illusion of change. You know, it's like, I read I read that Marvel book that you recommended. You know, Stan Lee said, "Don't change the characters; only the illusion of change." Right? And I feel like when I was reading the Jason Aaron books, I was like, "Are these characters going to develop?" Or, like, because he can't he can't change them. You know, like uh, Han Solo's wife sh shows up at some point, but you know that's going to be nonsense because he can't change the characters. Right. Yeah, well, so it's a, it's a good point. The thing that they're doing, I think, to keep it up, is they're asking questions that people have not asked before. Yeah. Little things. So take one, for example, that comes to the top of my head. When Empire Strikes Back happens, Luke gets uh, his hand chopped off, right? And this, the lightsaber falls with the hand. But then when we arrive at Return of the Jedi, Luke now has a lightsaber. Lightsabers are not in, uh, you know, 
uh, mass production. <laughs> you can't so that you can run just down go... to Walmart and get one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, they have the kyber crystals in them, and the kyber crystals require mining in order to get it, and it's not always an easy task. This is the thing we learn about Kylo Ren later on, that he has a, a um, lightsaber that has a cracked kyber crystal. That's mm. why his lightsaber has that staticky sound to it and the okay. sort of you know shakiness to it is because he couldn't get a, a good lightsaber. He got one with a cracked kyber crystal. So anyway, they ask the question, what happened to Luke's lightsaber? So there's a story in the comics that actually deals with what happened to that lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you begin to put the pieces together to say like, well, what happened then between Empire and Return of the Jedi? And what are some things we notice watching the movie? So while there's not necessarily room to like change the characters and develop that way, there's room to flesh out all the stuff that may have happened in between things. And there are some character changes. Luke's not the same person in Return of the Jedi that he is in Empire. No, no. Right? Yeah. He's so heard a lot. And yeah. Yeah. So there's some movement. And I think that's what they're really working towards in the current Star Wars run. The second volume that they're doing right now is they're developing. How does he get from this guy who has this startling news that Darth Vader's his father uh, to this place where he's got more confidence as a Jedi and he's, you know, acting differently from who he was before he's wearing the dark clothes and he's sort of yeah. got yeah. toughness to him more than he had before yeah it, it is it is cool in the comics to read like luke skywalker back when he's like he's not quite jedi master at all yeah he hasn't right. trained with master yoda or anything and you know so that's kind of cool you know, everybody wants to read about of course luke skywalker and darth vader and han solo princess leia of course, you know, those are the books that are going to sell. I thought it was really neat that they made a Lando book. And then, like I said, you know, earlier with the toys, how they made, they made a toy out of like every minor character in Star Wars. And, and, and you develop these kind of personal relationships. Like, you know, m one of my favorite Star Wars characters was the walrus man. Remember yeah. the walrus man? He, yeah. He's in the movie for a minute. He gets his face shot off by, by you know, somebody <laughs> in a bar, right? But, like, I love that toy. I thought it was awesome. You know, I really liked him. Um, what, I, what I would love to see more of with the comic books is taking those kind of minor characters and telling stories about them, like, like, I would love to see like a Greedo miniseries. Yeah. Remember Greedo? Oh yeah. You yeah. know, who like meets Hunter, but like, you know, he's like this kind of green bug eyed criminal guy. Like that would be a cool series, you know, with the walrus man and everything in it. <laughs> yeah. They may, or, who knows? Or like Mandalorian is it's, it's a new character, but it's a story told within the, star wars universe right you know dr afra is interesting in that respect because right. she's a new character that they could do whatever the heck they want with but it's set within the star wars universe and she has droids and you know she could run into jedis and whatnot right yeah and that's that's the smart play i think is to develop more of those those characters that are living in a familiar universe so you've already got buy-in and access but 
who you can you can be creative with. Yeah, but but I mean, for like a a comic book adaption, you know, I mean, I understand they want to go for the big sellers because they know mm-hmm. if they make a a Luke Skywalker comic, they're going to sell a lot of Luke Skywalker comics. Yeah. Sure. If they make Walrus Man, it's going to be like, what? Yeah, I don't know. Like, but I, you know, I would. It would be it would be an interesting story, but yeah, yeah. Well, you asked Father Jonathan earlier that question. You know, what is it that draws us? And um, it's a good question. And I was I've been thinking about it now for the last couple of minutes. So, like, I came to Star Wars very late. Actually, I had. Um, I had some action figures growing up and I don't really remember how I came to have those action figures other than that somebody probably gave them to me or I saw them in the store and they looked cool, but I never saw any of the movies growing up. Um, I had a couple of the comic books because um, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Like I love Indiana Jones and uh, because Harrison Ford was Han Solo that was sort of intriguing to me, right? If he was cool as Indy, maybe he might be cool as Han Solo. So I read some of the comics as a kid, but I didn't actually see the movies until they re-released them in the late 90s ahead of the prequels. Um, So I saw the ones that weren't the original ones. You know, they're the ones that have been altered somewhat, um, which is a whole other thing. I, someday I would love to get my hands on the originals. I really want to see them the way that they were actually done yeah, yeah. without the alterations. Um, but so I saw them and then I saw the prequels and, uh, and I enjoyed the prequels. I didn't have as much of a back history with star Wars to kind of look at the prequels with as critical an eye as I know a lot of star Wars fans tended to do. I also realized you can't capture lightning in a bottle and um, the, the first three were were lightning. And I don't think, you know, you're going to get that with the second three. So there's good moments in them. There's some things we could do without Jar Jar Binks. Right. I think nobody wants to see a Jar Jar Binks. I think everybody's comment. unanimous about Lisa, that. You right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every time every time um, we hear thunder, I have to say them's raising the boomers because that's what he <laughs> said. <laughs> but um, so, yeah. And then the new ones, the new ones I've enjoyed the Force Awakens, which was the first of them. I really enjoyed a lot. That one I've watched a number of times and that one has stuck with me. The other two have not stuck with me, much like we were talking about earlier. Um, I only saw the last one once, and I'm eager to see it again just to kind of remember it. But that, there was that, something. The, the, what, the last one was called the uh, Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Okay. And then there was the Last Jedi. Yeah, the Last Jedi was the middle one. And right. the Last Jedi is the one that everybody hated. But I remember going to the movies and thinking, like, "Wow, that was awesome." And yeah. then, like, I was surprised by the backlash against it. But. I thought that it was good. Um, again, it, for some reason, they didn't have as much sticking power as the original ones did uh, for me. But I still enjoyed it. And I think what really draws me to Star Wars is I like the grand scope of the story. I like that it's this big story that has so many things that can just be filled into it over time, that it's open enough 
um, that there's still room to keep telling more parts of that story. And I don't know, it's just something about this, this soap opera esque aspect of it combined with the, with the adventure and, um, yeah, it's just the creativity. I think all those things draw me to Star Wars. That's well, it, it's it's a universe, right? It, mm-hmm. And 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 like you know, like we've been talking about, there's like endless uh, room to just sort of spread out in that universe. I mean, Star Trek is the same way. Um, you create a whole mythos. You create a, a, a you know a universe populated by these different you know, characters and, and, and alien species, or it's like Marvel comics. Sure. Um, the, the, the space opera mythical scope of it. Here, here's a, here, here's another thing. What do you make of the, I mean, from a theological point of view, um, Star Wars in creating a universe also created a religion. <laughs> right. So that and that yeah. was going to be my next question is, you know, with the religion of the Jedi um, and the idea of the force, which you, so you kind of have. It's interesting because you kind of have competing religions with basically the same understanding of a kind of divinity, I guess you could call it sort of right. Like you've got the Jedi, the Jedi religion. And then you've got the Sith, and they're they're coming at it from different angles. Um, but you know, it was interesting in in the the Vader book um, when uh, when the Emperor is introducing these these new operatives that he's gotten who are using these other kinds of technology to enhance themselves, and they don't have the Force with them. And Darth Vader's response is, this is blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's right. interesting that that was, that was the I had thought about that moment was kind of powerful. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, you know, I, 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 I mean, the religion of it is sort of fascinating. The idea of the force is kind of interesting. <laughs> I, you know, I think, I, and I think a lot of people today think that God is the force. Like that's, you know, I think that's often the picture that people have in their heads. Um, And the force, whereas the force is really more, if it's going to be kind of analogous to anything, it's probably more like something between a Taoist view and and maybe a little bit of a Hindu view. um, Buddhist as well. A little bit of Buddhism too, um, yeah. although I, I'd say the Taoist influence is pretty. Taoist is pretty yeah. strong, especially with the light and the dark side, right? And the, the idea that it's basically the same—you know—it's almost like chi, right. right? It's this energy right. that we can we can tap into that is either dark or light, right. um, and that seems to have as much to do with our motivations when we come to it as with it whatever it is itself but there's no unless i'm missing something um and i'm very well maybe but there's no like external personal dimension to the force is there yeah no you're right you're absolutely right it is an impersonal thing and i think sometimes there has been a tendency for christians to want to try to interpret 
um, Star Wars as Christian allegory of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really pushing it uh, past where it is. Um, The Force is not. Uh, the force is, I think, as you said, the force is more akin to something like chi or ki or however you would say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah, or chi or, or or even the Tao. Um, there's something in there though about the force as sort of. Um, I've thought about this before. A, a symbol of, of 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 the power of of religious faith. And how it can be used for good or how it could be used for evil. Religion can, can be the most ennobling thing for people, right? Um, it can, you know, it produces saints. Of course, we, you know, we cherish our Christian faith. We're all Christian ministers. And so, you know, we obviously see the, the, um, the truth and the beauty and the goodness. But then it could be such a corrupting force as well there's a dark side you know that religion can make people sort of batty um cruel um violent you know um uh, that this powerful force of religious faith can be uh used in different ways and you know the the fact that there's a that there's a light side and that there's a dark side I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say anything about that theologically. I think God's God is light and in him. There is no darkness at all. Um, but in human beings and in their religious capacity, there is both light and darkness. Um, and and, 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 and the, the, the darkness can be pretty profoundly dark. I don't know. I, I mean, that, so I, I see that that image being powerfully used in Star Wars, like Darth Vader was t- became completely twisted and dehumanized by this false uh, posture towards the divine, you know, towards the force. But, um, you know, in, in relating to it in a, in a, in a, in, in, in a, a disingenuous or evil way, it completely uh twisted him yeah i I can see i can see the analogy that you're drawing father matt because because there is a way in which we can you know our 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 practice of faith our practice of religion can become um twisted into something evil even if we're talking about god in every other sentence um (laughs) you know um i i I think it is interesting uh that i mean if you want to draw some sort of Christian connections to what happens in Star Wars, I think you can kind of find it in two ways. Um, one is in the same way that you find it in almost any great hero story. And that is, you know, I mean, as we've said and, and seen repeatedly over the years of doing this show, anytime you have a hero who is willing to make sacrifice of him of himself or herself there is at least some echo of the great right. sacrifice of the cross right so that's present here in in various ways with various characters but also the, i think the place where where it kind of betrays the fact that um, even if George Lucas was trying to ground all of this in some sort of Eastern, 
idea, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, uh, he was formed by the Judeo-Christian society that he right. lived right. in. Right. And the fact that, you know, and they, I think they play with this a little bit, you know, that, uh, well, the, the, the light and the dark side of the force aren't, you know, aren't really good and evil in the same sense, but, but there is this overarching sense throughout this that good actually is the thing that should win. And, um, you know, it's not, maybe it's not entirely inevitable that it will win, but even when good is on the ropes and evil is in the ascendancy, there is this sense of, but the thing that really matters at the end of the day is that good does win. That good, yeah. will, that good will triumph over evil. Well, that's not a very Taoist idea, right? Because right. For, for that, for, for Taoism and for other things like that, it's all about, a, you know, achieving a kind of balance. Well, um, so, that's, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to say, because that's actually where the movie ends with Rise of Skywalker. It's not that good wins well, in the end. I haven't end. seen it, so don't. Don't entirely uh, spoil it for me. But I won't. But but, yeah. but that's where, and that goes back to Return of the Jedi, because one of the things that was talked about in the original trilogy, and I think it was in Jedi itself, was the fact that there was a prophecy that one would come who would bring balance to the Force. Mm. So it, it all is geared towards somebody finally finding the balance between the light side and the dark side okay not necessarily good winning so so then well, that whole analogy just falls apart then and there's there's nothing christian about star wars well, at all no well you know <laughs> I, I think you can i think you can have launching pads to talk about the christian faith through star wars right um i think that there are touchstones that allow us to actually speak uh, about what it is that we all experience and how Jesus is the answer. Um, in particular, the temptation that we see in Anakin and the selfishness that we see in Anakin um, leads him down a dark path, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about original yeah. sin as kind of original self-centeredness, you know, curved inwardness in ourselves. Yeah and the temptation towards self-preservation and various other things that sometimes lead us to, to do dark things. We can use that as a, as a launching pad to talk about human sin and eventually make our way. I'm not sure, short of, as you said, those few areas where somebody might sacrifice themselves. I'm not sure that there's yeah. any explicit sort of Christological moments in Star Wars. Can, can, can I make a weird... Uh, throw a weird thought out there and see yeah. see what you guys think of this. Is is it just me or is Darth Vader's story the most Christian story in Star Wars? With the redemption, right? That's the fall and the redemption bit is, and that's another one that's really good. And it, we, we can use that to talk about the Christian faith. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. There's, there's this yeah, way no, in which it, he's clearly he clearly goes from good to evil, and that it it, it clearly is a corruption. Mm -hmm. And that, but then in the end, he does have this moment of redemption, and it's a small moment, but it ends up being the thing that makes the difference. Yeah, and you know what does it for him? And this is perhaps a very Christian moment in it. 
love. Exactly. Yeah. He's loved Absolutely. by his son who who he rejects, right? Mm-hmm. And tries to corrupt. Mm-hmm. And yet the son loves him and um and that's where he turns. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I mean and, and there's like the dark side dehumanizes him. By the end of it he's almost more machine Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you see, he takes his helmet off and he's just a massive wires. But there's still like that flicker of humanity, you know, like that's holding on, yeah. you know. And yeah. that's the part that's like redeemable, you know. Um, but it, 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 yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say, look at that. Look at Darth Vader's arc and to say, no, what we want to do is to find the balance between this dark dehumanizing force right. and, and, right. and 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 love you know mm-hmm. I, and and I, you know I think father Jonathan's right I think you know they're trying to they're trying to have their cake and eat it too you know they want the the um, this very resonant power of good versus evil mm-hmm. uh, but then also to you know be like no we're not Right. Your grandmother's religion, we're, we're, you know, a cool kind of Eastern thing, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, not to denigrate that, because I mean, I, you know, I think there's some very profound and, and beautiful things to be explored in Eastern philosophy and Eastern religion. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's clearly that lingering kind of Christian element in the background. I, I can't help but like, just thinking about Vader taking off his helmet uh, always makes me think of chasing Amy and uh, the, the like militant guy, the militant uh, black man at the conference who starts talking about how it's like the ultimate show of, of white uh, superiority, this beautiful black man with the black, you know, voice, because he's got James Earl Jones' voice. Right. And then you open it up, and what's inside? A pasty white dude the whole time. <laughs> so great. Can I just say, you know, and I already I already made a mention of it earlier, but um, th- there are many people who, uh, who would argue that the best Star Trek movie, Star Trek movie, is Galaxy Quest, right? Which is, <laughs> which is actually... Uh, a loving sort of parody of Star Trek. Right. Um, I think I would argue uh, that the best Star Wars movie is Spaceballs. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that in ages. That is a that is a gem. It is a, a loving parody of, of it the is. whole thing. You know. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so much more that we could say. I'm sure at some point we'll revisit uh, Star Wars and Star Wars comics in the future. But uh, we would love to know what you guys think. Uh, if you've read some Star Wars comics, what you think of them. Uh, if you have other Star Wars opinions. I, I find it hard to believe that there's anybody on the internet who has an opinion about Star Wars. But on the off chance that somebody out there does, uh, you know, feel free to share it with us uh on twitter uh we're on twitter at god and comics uh, or on facebook facebook.com slash god and comics um and uh, we look forward to seeing you there but for now we're going to move on to our final segment this or that this or that this or that come on everybody let's this or that 
Batman or Iron Man? This or that? Spider-Man or Superman? This or that? Boxes or briefs? This or that? DVD or VHS? This or that? Okay, so, Father Matt, this or that? What do you got? Okay, Jonathan, um, Pfizer or Moderna? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got the Pfizer vaccine, so I guess Pfizer, okay. but I, that was because that's what they had. I, I didn't actually um, request Yeah, but I mean, this is another way to divide ourselves up tribally, and I, you know, I just think <laughs> Absolutely. We should have a mini culture war within a culture war about yes. whose vaccine is better. I mean, it seems like we're all Pfizer, so like clearly all the cool people are Pfizer, right? Absolutely. That's, that's right. So, <laughs> or okay, P um, Pfizer, as I like to call it. A Pfizer. Yeah. Like the Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. Oh. <laughs> I think we just came up with a name for the comic book series that we're going to create together. The Psalmist. Um, and people will say, it's the Psalmist, right? And we'll be like, no. It's the psalmist. <laughs> yes. Um, Father. <laughs> Father Kyle. Um, WandaVision or the Winter Soldier? Uh, you know what? I have yet to see either of them. They're on my, my list of oh, to man. watch things, and I'm dying to see them. But, um, do you have Disney Plus? Because I was like, I I'm do. not going to have to like, redo half this list. No, okay. no, I do. I just haven't gotten to them yet. But I'm going to go with uh, WandaVision just because what I've read about it and seen about it, it just looks looks mm -hmm. fun and zany and drawing on all the historical stuff just looks really cool. But yeah, yeah both, but I enjoyed both of the series, but I might I might agree. WandaVision was great. Uh, Father Jonathan, Adrian Spire or... And Catherine Emmerich. Uh, you, you mean, are you talking about Adrian Von Spire? Yeah. Uh, and you said the other one was Anne Catherine. Anne Catherine Emmerich. You know, she's a, um, um, she was a mystic, a visionary. She wrote um, The Dolores Passion of Christ and, and, oh. and The Life of Mary. Okay, so I mean, I'm not I'm not that familiar with her. I do love Adrian von Speyer, though. Um, I I find her to be just absolutely um, lovely to read, uh, mm. and I'm you know um, this. <laughs> of course, this didn't used to be a controversial thing to say, but uh, I love Hans Urst von Balthasar. Um, now there's a lot of like angry tratty people who get mad at you if you well, say Well, I mean, people are lame. Yeah. I, this is not controversial in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, I, I love Balthazar, and, I, and I've loved Balthazar for a long time, but I always find with Balthazar that something that I find similar about reading Balthazar and, and actually reading um, Rowan Williams as well, which is that, like, he's, he's just, he's too smart for me sometimes. And so, like, he, I can, there are whole pages <laughs> of Balthazar that I just... I just read them and I have no idea what I've read, you know, because um, it's just it's so like dense. Dense. Yeah. Yes. But yes. but what's beautiful about Balthazar is I could do like two pages of that and then suddenly I come across a line or even a whole paragraph where it's it's so crystal clear and so beautiful 
and it just speaks like directly to my heart and my soul and that makes the whole rest of it worth it right it's like those gems that are hidden within this this larger structure um, and so that's why i love reading balthazar well you know for those who don't know adrian von speyer um basically came to light because of balthazar right like they had um a friendship um, she was a, a Swiss uh, doctor um, in the early part of the uh, 20th century. And she had, was also a Christian mystic, as, as you were pointing out. And um, he really did a lot to sort of like transcribe a lot of what she'd said, take things she'd written and put them together. A lot of her published works are only out there because he edited volumes of it. She mm -hmm. influenced him highly. And so the first time I read her, Balthazar suddenly made sense to me because yeah. those yeah. little gems in Balthazar where it's like, oh, it's worth, you know, slogging through the hard stuff to get to those gems. Every page in Von Speyer is that. Yeah. Like yeah, her, fantastic. Her, her world of prayer book. Oh, it's it really is like every single page you're going, oh, my gosh. And I go, okay, well now I get the stuff I love in him. That's it's her. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still him. It's obviously like his he's got original ideas, but it's it's in her vein. Like it's you can see how the influence from her. Um, yeah, and I think I think the influence is mutual, but oh, sure, yeah. Sure. Okay. Now I would have answered Dita Von Tees. <laughs> Father, Father Kyle, Darth Vader or Dr. Doom? You know, I'm going to go with Darth Vader. I find Darth Vader's story and his character a little more engaging and compelling than uh, Victor Von Doom. Another Von. Wow, we got a lot of Vons going on here tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Darth Vader. Mm. Mm. Mm hmm. Well... We can tell he disagrees. He's like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I don't know. No, I, I, Darth Vader's great. I, 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 Dr. Doom's also great. Um, I enjoy. I enjoyed Dr. They had a, um, a mini series of Dr. Doom recently that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, great. I mean, that, um, that crazy reveal when Dr. Doom tells Tony Stark that, that he's his father. That's just, wait. Yeah. What? Yeah, no. What? I don't know. Thank that you one. for ruining the end of the Infinity War. Okay. <laughs> is that is that when he became Iron Man for a little bit, Doctor Doom? <laughs> did did that happen to Doctor? Yeah, Doom? a couple that, of years yeah, ago. Yeah, that oh, did happen. For is there any villain who hasn't stepped into one of the heroes things for a minute at this point? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So, Fa Father Jonathan Tarzan or John. Carter of Mars. <laughs> Are you familiar with John Carter? Um, oh, I mean, only in passing. I haven't like, I haven't read. Um, or, Same creator. It's, or it's, seen, uh, the, uh, seen the illustrious film with uh, the guy from Friday Night Lights or whatever. Um, yeah, is it any good? I haven't seen I it. I haven't seen it, it no. I heard it's uh, good. I, um, I mean, my instinct is to, is to go with Tarzan. Because mm -hmm. I kind of like jungle stories. We've never, yeah. we've never, uh, we've never stumbled upon my love of jungle stories. 
No, no, we have not. That that seems like an episode. It John, is. Because, we could yeah. do. It's a whole genre of. Comics. Actually, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. My answer is gonna be Kazar. That's I was just answer. thinking of Kazar. <laughs> yes. So I was just watching uh, the Spider-Man cartoon from the early 1980s this past Saturday on Disney Plus, and um, and Kazar was on that. Nice. I have a big like. I think it's. The, that Marvel epic collection or whatever of, of Kazar that I've never gotten around to reading, but I've, I have it on my shelf. But I, I always, I love, I love Kazar. I love, um, I also love um, on the DC side, um, and I'm blank. Commandy. Yes, thank you. The last yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, this could be an episode. It could to be. Just think about yeah. it. Yeah, next season it, we'll do this. White dudes in loincloths. Okay. <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> We're going to get a million downloads for that. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Father Kyle, Space Ghost or the Mighty Mitor? I don't you know who the Mighty Mitor is. The flying guy, the caveman guy with the, with the club. From is Hannah that his Brother. name? Yeah, I never knew that. I thought it was Captain. Isn't that Captain Caveman? Yeah, I thought it was. There is a Captain Caveman, but this guy was was it was Moby Dick in the Mighty Mitar. Um, he had a big club and he used to fly around. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. I didn't know that was his name, but um, I'm gonna go with Space Ghost. Space Ghost is cool. From coast to coast. Space Ghost From is coast very to coast. cool. I mean, then, and then, of course, there's Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like nobody can take Space Ghost seriously after that. I know. <laughs> exactly. There's a Green Lantern Space Ghost crossover that's not bad. But, you know, no, somewhere, I mean, you know, since they're cashing in on all the superheroes, somewhere there needs to be a Space Ghost movie. The Space Ghost Space Opera. Like a live action Space Ghost movie? Yes. <laughs> I think it should be a musical. It can be, we can have Zack Snyder direct it. It can be super dark. Zack Snyder. Oh. Yes, Zack Snyder is going to do it. Yes. It's going to be in black and white and it's going to be R rated. Yes, right. but still somehow a musical. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, this, the last one is for you, Father Jonathan. Baby Yoda, a.k.a. Grogu, or the Muppet Babies? Well, I mean, you know, I'm 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 stuck again because I haven't really experienced the Baby Yoda yet, other than in like. I mean, but you've seen the memes. I've seen them. I've you've certainly seen, seen the memes. adorable plush toys. Yeah, and... I've certainly seen the memes. Uh, I mean, gosh, I'm gonna have to go with the Muppet Babies, though. I'm gonna have to because it's the That's Muppets. A good I love the Muppets. But now you need to qualify but, what Muppet Babies. Well, is, uh, is Grogu a Muppet no, no. baby? I mean, he's a Henson creation. That's true. And yeah, Frank true. Oz is doing the voices of all of these things. So, anyway. Well, they did a new Muppet Babies did recently. They? And yeah, it's what, nowhere what, near what, as good. The, the old 1980s Muppet Baby. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They used to, we um, we showed them to to Eva, to my daughter, back when she was like, two three years old because we found a bunch of them on youtube mm -hmm. at the time but they've taken them all off of youtube now i watched them too <laughs> but but while they were doing that some of them 
um, would be only in Spanish. So there were times we would come out and she'd be watching Muppet Babies in Spanish. There's just no English at all. Nice. <laughs> it's just weird. And the theme song was in Spanish, too. It's kind of fun. <laughs> and that's how she became fluent in Spanish. Yeah, right. It would have been nice. <laughs> Los Muppet Babies. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, that's it. For, that's it? Okay. For that. Well, that's going to be it for our show then this time out. Uh, you can find out more about our show on our website at godandcomics.com. You can read bios of each of us there if you would like. Uh, or you can find out more by checking out our feed and our episode archive, which is at anchor.fm slash godandcomics. Uh, and wherever you hear our show, if it's on Spotify, if it's on uh, iTunes, um, if, if you're able to give a rating or a review in the place you happen to hear it, we would be very grateful for it. Um, uh, you know, we appreciate it. It helps other people to find the show. Our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right this moment, is by Father Paul Wheatley who discovered through years of training that there's a medium side to the Force. He uses it mostly to steal Disney Plus access from his neighbors. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we'll see ya. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. <laughs>